Hello, everyone, and you're watching the Global Jobcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Global Jobcast, a four-part series launched by ISA in Hong Kong, which answers questions such as, "What are the key business and employment trends in Asia Pacific?" and as youth. What should we do to equip ourselves to stand out in the changing business world we see today? In this broadcast, we will cover different sectors and countries, and in particular, we will also discuss the topic of overseas working experience and how the business world sees it. If you are interested, feel free to find us and ask us questions at our LinkedIn and Facebook pages. In our second episode, we are honored to have Mr. Jonathan Jack. The director of Open Banking and API, Digital Banking at Standard Chartered Bank, and I'm Chami, the host of today. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Chami. Nice meeting you. Nice to meet you too. So, as you mentioned, you have been、uh, working in the banking industry for some time. So, I think you must have a unique insight towards、um, the type of people、uh, working in Standard Chartered Bank or the banking industry in general. So. What kinds of、um, skills or attributes that you think youth、uh, who are aspired in working in this industry should be equipped with? I think、um, I think there are two parts in it. First of all, in the banking industry, you 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 always have different roles, like the product role, the frontline role, and more backend role like finance, legal, compliance, risk, cybersecurity, that kind of thing. So.、Um, First of all, it relates to what is your passion and what what you、uh, what you're passionate about. Because、um, in a fast-paced environment like like a bank, like an international bank, if you don't have a passion in the domain area of your working, you won't be having that、um, drive, internal drive to 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 let you excel in in your job. Because merely performing the task itself won't won't let you survive. So. I think I think passion is 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 one thing, and the second thing is about um, I would like to talk about the macro trends. Um, I think ten years and twenty years from now, you can see the emergence of the new digital economy will be will be disrupting our lives even more, um, in our in all our aspects of daily lives. So things like um, um, roles like data scientists, UX UI designers, machine learning, AI. Digital marketing, agile design thinking. I think all these things will be shaping how banks or in general financial institutions will be coming in the next five to ten years. So you you can see that um recently in the stock market you have seen the 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 word of new economy, new digital economy. I think I think banks as a subset of 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 a society. Will be also being shaped by by these trends in the new digital economy. So, I think、um, back to your questions. I think、um, in order for us to get ready, I think besides your your passion, you need to have your skill sets、um, tailored towards serving this new digital economy in order to stay relevant. Because、um, I think. In the schools, you may not have all the courses talking about design thinking, agile, or you know how to how to craft craft a machine learning data model. But you might have some 
some courses talking about that, but well, you, I think in the mainstream, you don't have that kind of um, curriculum yet available. So I think you have to get your skills ready in these domains, not only in schools, but in, 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 your, in your job, through, either through an internship or through a part-time or, or in the first few years of experience working in a startup, uh, to acquire this in order to get yourself to become relevant for the new digital economy in general. Okay, all right. So um, actually I'm interested. So if for those undergrad BBA students, compared to those um, quantitative finance or fintech related uh, program students, will those BBA students, um, because they are not in those majors, will lose their competitive edge in this tech-based economy? Yeah, that's a good question. For your information, I was actually a dual degree major in UST. At the beginning, I, I was doing a computer science and BBA together in UST, but I was a dropout in the, in the engineering degree in UST. Um, you know, so I, I think I'm in the best position, you know, as a BBA graduate with some engineering, engineering background um, to say that um, in general, if you are just purely graduate from the business school without, um, without a sort of technical background, I think in the new digital world, we, we need engineers, we need designers, we need um, programmers. I think um, we are not, I mean, for the, for the general BBA student, they may be lacking a particular skill set that could compete with their engineering school counterparts. But having said that, um, because I myself, I, I graduate with a BBA only, I myself, I think myself is a good example that um, although I, I, I have some experience in engineering, but um, I think most importantly is to stay, stay relevant and to, for you to absorb the latest trends in, in at least some of the domain to keep you competitive in, in industry. So um, my advice for the um, BB student it's not that just taking a computer science course or PowerPoint, uh, PowerPoint course will help you become competitive. But in general, it's about um, finding what you're passionate about and apply what you're passionate about into that domain so that that will make you excel. Because I noticed for the, usually for the Hong Kong students, they love to using a CV approach to, to package the, the career path and I think that it won't go very far because um, if you are doing things that you are not passionate, even though you have all the thoughts about design thinking, Scrum Master, you know, design, machine learning, etc. If you don't have passion in what you're doing, you, you won't be excelled. But back to your earlier question, I think, I think um, the BBA curriculum might be a bit too general if you need to um, have a career in, in one of those like like digital economy domain you need to you need to use some like like online courses to to supplement or to complement your 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 understanding or your your skill set 
Yeah, right. And actually, I know that um, due to COVID-19, there are lots of free online websites now. So perhaps it is a very good opportunity for BBA students to sharpen their skills through this channel. So um, for those who are interested in this field, so actually, what are the career prospects in open banking and digital banking compared to traditional banking? And also, how is um, the working environment and the nature different? I mean, in general, um, the digital banking space or the digital space is like a, it's like a morning of a day. It, it, just, it just started, you know? So um, within the digital space, digital space, there are a few domains. So if you are passionate about design or marketing, like engage yourself in UX, UI designer, so that you can craft up really, you know, amazing, amazing user experience. Like you, you can, for example, you can compare Uber app, you know, it's, it's an amazing journey because those at the back who design the journeys, they're using a designer mindset to craft up a really great user experience. So I think user, user design is one of the path. And then if you are into data analytics, you know, Mastering machine learning, data modeling is is a must because you know you can imagine these like largest fintech companies like BAT or Uber or Grab. We all deal with large, massive, substantial amount of data, and we need that kind of data modelist, data scientist to to handle different kinds of data models to to derive new trends, to derive new trends or new offerings for customers. So I think. The data domain is is the second area that um uh, you need to equip, and the third area um um I would say um open banking is definitely um um at a blue ocean. Open banking in general is about um bank is opening up their data for other industries and vice versa, so that um for example um if you are if you are a telco company, you also share the telco profile of um, of a customer to a bank, so that you know the bank can offer a more differentiated and tailored banking service to you. For example, by knowing that uh, you have three three people or four people living in your home, maybe the bank can tell you that okay, you are you are you are growing a family, you have new kids born, so maybe the bank can offer a better insurance package for you. So I think. In general, open banking is, is a new trend because it's more it's, it's all about cross industry collaboration. Um, so to say, so I think these are the new domains just just started, and and I can see that no matter, for example, virtual banks or virtual insurance, they're hiring a lot of like product owners with with some of these skills skills as to to work in these teams. So um, I would say the the opportunity are are enormous. So regarding the, the, the working environment, I would say that because um, it all relates to um, technology. So um, I would say that these, these teams, they will, they will be behaving more like a like startup or like a tech company. So that, um, for example, myself, um, we, we have work from home uh, regularly and you don't also need to wear suits all the time unless you are joining for a client meeting. So, um, Actually, we are behaving more like a startup in, in the digital banking space because, you know, we talk about creativity, 
client co-creation, you know, um, uh, client journey development. So all these things require a lot of brainstorming and 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 out of the box thinking. So that these environment you is is quite different from the traditional nine to five nine to five jobs like in in a typical um, traditional bank environment. Yeah, so to say. Yeah. So. Speaking of digital banking, I think um, digital banking is really developing at its lightning speed. And actually, I see um, recently there has been a lot of um, emerging digital banking services like WeLand and also PingAn. So um, how does um, those traditional banking can retain their competitiveness? I think the emergence of these like virtual banks is accelerating um, the traditional bank on how to craft out a superior customer experience and then also to likely to drive a more profound cultural change on putting customer first. So um, uh, for on the first point, the driving the transformation, because you can see some of these new, new virtual banking app uh, very smooth and, you know, with a few clicks, you can transfer your money, your ad money. So I think it's, it's inspiring or driving the industry to to a higher standard on on how things should be. So I think um, in that sense, it's, it's driving traditional banks to, to, to accelerate their digital transformation journey. So for example, things like remote onboarding or, you know, a KYC tools to be more simpler, to be more user-friendly, you know, less waiting time, et cetera. So these, these impacts are quite immediate because if your bank is not doing fast enough for a remote onboarding, then our customers would go to switch to a virtual bank or, you know, or other banks that, you know, have s s more simple or superior customer experience. And the second thing is about being customer first because you can see that um, these virtual banks or virtual instruments, they have, offering different types of new attractive um, offers. So um, it, will, it will be pushing the banks to, to, to think more like uh, from a, a customer perspective on how I can better serve you, um, how I can tailor to, to your needs according to your different stages of your life. So I think with, with this emergence of um, virtual banks, it's changing the kind of the industry upside down because in the past, it's more like you need a bank or you kind of, you, you, you need something from the bank. So you, you hopefully um, they can do something for, for you. But now it's, it's like a reverse because the banks see the competition. They want to, they want to do more to, to attract you and to retain them. So um, yeah, overall is a very good thing for the industry. Yeah, to accelerate the overall digital transformation. So, um, extending our views outside of Hong Kong to regional or even a global context. So what are the places or regions that show promising potential to become the next financial and banking hub? And what could uh, Hong Kong actually can learn from uh, those places? You know, um, there's an interesting saying. Is that... Um, um, the best place you are having is here, and the best time um, for everything is now. Why I'm saying this is that um, 
I I heard about people complaining. Okay, Hong Kong, we don't have this and don't have that, or the environment is bad and and the company is not supporting this and that. Um, I was thinking of I I I was having that mindset a few years back then, but um, I have a profound change two years ago when I was in a fintech delegation trip to Israel. So one of the biggest lessons I learned from my trip in Israel, I think that could apply to Hong Kong in general, is that in Israel, they have 8 million of population like Hong Kong. But then Israel has the largest amount of technology companies developed all over the world, at least in the US. And then I, I, put, I put that into the Hong Kong context. You know, Israel, you know, surrounded by Arabic countries that that they don't always have a good relationship, you know, Egypt, UAE, Iran, Iraq, etc. And then I'm thinking about Hong Kong. You know, Hong Kong we are always saying that okay, we are we are we are losing this and losing that. But then um when I take the Israel example um, one of the biggest biggest impression I got from there is that whenever they, it, it is because it's due to that kind of hostile environment. The people in Israel, they want to, they always want to be global. So when they make a startup company in Israel, they don't they don't just look at the local Israeli market because eight million population is so small. But then when they build a startup they already think about how they can make that company global. So I think um, I think it applies to the Hong Kong contest very perfectly at this moment, especially you know with these political, um, you know, economy issues surrounding. Because it goes back to individual. If you don't think global, if you are not having an ambition for your company. Or your product to 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 serve globally, then your market will always be small. So instead of complaining, okay, Hong Kong has just eight million population, small market, etc. But but actually, the, the limitation is within your brain, because whenever I look at the Israeli example, they will never be bounded by because they are surrounded by Arabic countries because they are not just having a short history like fifty years, sixty years only. They are not complaining, you know. They have, they don't have natural resources, etc. But then these people, they're they're making the effort to produce startup technology companies that 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 is all over the world. So I think, um, going back to the the Hong Kong case, if you ask me if there's any other location that Hong Kong people um could um learn from, I think Israel is the place that um. The young people should should go there, and 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 learn from the experience, because at the end of the day, Hong Kong is your home, and how you can leverage your environment, your challenges to to make some changes or make some contribution to your home is 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 the key, you know. Because if you don't, if Hong Kong people don't care about Hong Kong, nobody else will. Because if you don't, if you don't fight for yourself, if you don't zhang hei, if you don't um prove to the outside world that Hong Kong people they are competent and capable, then 
eventually, people from China, from Singapore, from Taiwan, they will replace you. So um, I think for the young generation, definitely they need to look out to learn from various examples in different parts of the world, Singapore, Israel, Europe, China, etc. But then at the end, for the end of the day, it's about how they can, you know, make, make that contribution back in Hong Kong, you know, to make Hong Kong brand, you know, great again, you know, but it's not, you know, not letting Hong Kong being wiped out on, on, on the map of, of the world map. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think um, apart from the Israel people's business mindset and also personal attitude, I think for the Israel educational system is really worth um, learning by Hong Kong people because they are more interactive and those children learn those technology at a very young age. So as you just mentioned that to think and grow Go global. So, um, actually, we heard that um, you went on a global talent um, program um, during your university life. So, and you have uh, worked in Amazon for years. So, perhaps can you share more about your working experience and overseas, and also what are the biggest challenge, and also uh, what is your um, biggest reward through this working experience? Yeah. So um actually thanks to Isaac um I I got the internship opportunity not from Amazon but from from Microsoft um back in two thousand and six which is fourteen years ago wow it's it's quite a long time so at that time it is a it is a nine months internship it's a full time role working in Microsoft in the European headquarters based in Germany in Munich so um my role at that time was like um working with the regional office to roll out some like regional partners marketing um, programs for like all across Europe. So um, I, I think that experience had one of the profound change in my life because I think that is, a, that is the first time I really lived, I, le I worked and lived in a, in a completely new environment. So um, the challenges is that, um, you know, being a tourist versus being a, a local, is two different things because um, things like um, how you how you interact with your landlord, how you deal with daily groceries, how you how you go to banks, you know, how you interact with like your local communities. All these things you will only encounter when you are when you really live there. You know, because when you are a tourist, when you speak English, people will using a tourist mindset to treat you. But then if you are if you are working, if you are intern in, 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 in a new country, they don't treat you as a tourist. They treat you as a local. So I think when you are being expected as a local, then it is the real it is the real time for for you to experience what exactly how how the cultures, how they behave, because it is that time they take they don't use they don't use that touristic face to, to treat you, but they they're using a local face to treat you. So I think um I think one of the biggest lesson I learned is that I remember I still remember one of the um uh one to one session with my manager. Um, she remarked to me that um don't just uh wait for instructions, 
but then um, actively come up with suggestions or even challenge me. So because at that time I was quite puzzled of what does that mean? Because you know, in the Asian environment, you know, a good employee usually you 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 don't always challenge your boss and then you take whatever um, jobs that assigned to you and you just do it. But then I'm I'm surprised by her comment that um what I expect from you that is that you are the CEO of of your own domain so that you don't just wait for me to tell you what to do, but it's more like the vice versa. It's like you have to regularly tell me how you are going to plan for this and that and your timeline, how you're going to deliver it. So you should actively share with your whole plan to me. So you are your own CEO. So, you know, I think that mindset give me a big aha moment because, um, you know, you are your own CEO. It's like you are in control of your life instead of letting others to, to have a control on you. So um, I think my experience in Germany taught me a lot on this mindset on you are your master of your own life. So you have to be responsible for your choices. And I think from there, it, it affects a lot of decisions that um, especially in like in my career afterwards yeah right so um lastly a question from my side so um in your opinion um are there any initiatives or advice that uh, you recommend the youth um to join so as to be more competitive um, in the business industry or banking industry in general um i think there, there are two things to it number one is that don't my advice is don't just for the sake of building your CV to, to join programs. Because again, I think your four years, five years time in the university is to groom your passion, is to let you know what you love and what you don't love. Because when, once you're in a working environment, you won't have this leisure time to, you know, to, to discover yourself and to discover your potential. You know, Throughout your fourth to five years time in the university, you should be. I think the the ideal is that the ideal situation is that by the time you graduate, you you should be almost seventy percent, eighty percent sure what you love and what you don't love. Of of course, you will change jobs or change company or change change industry. For example, before I graduate, I already know that I need I need a job that that need to speak to people, need to release new technology, and need to travel, and needs to be at the forefront of the new technology. So, you know, and, and all about driving changes, most importantly. So I think from then until now, I think all this, if, if you look into what I'm, I was doing in my previous jobs, these elements exist. They, they all share similar elements. So um, back to your earlier question. Um, of course, ISAC, the ISAC program is, is a good way for you to gain global exposure um, across different cultures. Because, because um, while you need to step outside Hong Kong to, to work or to live in other countries, it's not just for your CV, but it's also to understand what is your limitation, what is your pre-assumption in your mindset. Because once you're in another culture, you will have cultural shocks. You will find behaviors, Patterns that is completely different from Hong Kong or from Asia, and how you unlearn it and relearn it. I think this process of unlearning, relearning, 
is the gist of this ISAP program in overseas. That um, I think it's much more valuable than just entering a big names and putting a line on your CV only. So um, these ISAP programs is is relevant for you to helping you to unlearn and relearn. And the second thing is um, most importantly again, um, find out your passion, what you love, what you don't love. Um, only through engaging in different, not only other activities, but um, in different courses or part-time programs, online courses, then you will know whether if you want to, if you really want to be a UX designer, if you really want to be a data scientist, or you don't really like it. So only by trying more, only by really getting your feet wet in different things, then you will know whether you like that or not. Yeah. So. Um, there's not just one particular program that you need to try, but not trying, not trying enough things in the university, um, I would say will waste your opportunity to, to, to let you realize what, what your potentials lies. Yeah. Okay, so thank you very much for your insightful sharing. And I think as a non-business student, I think I really gained a lot through this uh, broadcast. So um, it's a really a great honor to have a wonderful chat with you today. So for listeners, please stay tuned to the next episode and please like our LinkedIn and Facebook page to get our new updates. So thank you for listening and bye-bye. Thank you, bye-bye. Hello, and thanks for listening to Global Jobcast. If you enjoyed the broadcast, leave us a like or comment below. Thank you, and have a nice day.